Uh, we did have a good time out uh, on Sunday at the Aviators game. So uh, every once in a while, we may either get off a little bit early or or hop on a little bit late just due to the Aviators. But we're back for a normal three hours today. Excited about the show that we have. Excited about the guests that we have coming up. And, of course, excited about the opportunity to interact with you, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. Of course, our don'tbebroke.com text sign, 69187, keyword R&R. So the guest that we have coming up on the show today, Mike Golick Sr. How about that? Draft from uh, DraftKings, sports analyst. And, of course, Mike Golick has been around for quite a while. Uh, obviously, was a big-time player in college, was a football player in the NFL, was on ESPN for the longest time. Mike and Mike, we all remember that. Uh, did a hell of a job, still does a hell of a job covering the co- college football and the NFL uh, like a glove, but uh, he's currently working for DraftKings, so Mike Golick Sr. will join us at 2.30. We'll dip into some Notre Dame. Of course, we'll talk a little Michael Mayer because, well, I think that that's a big-time addition for the Raiders, and I know there's a lot of people that'll say, yeah, but, you know, it's a second-round pick, and the Raiders could have got this, that, and the other. Look, I'll tell you right now, Michael Mayer is going to be a hell of an addition to that Raiders offense and really what this offense is going to need moving forward. You know, now that uh, Darren Waller is in New York, uh, Foster Morrow, obviously, uh, prayers are with him as he's trying to to battle back and recover from Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he had gone on a on a free agency visit to the New Orleans Saints, and that's how that was discovered to begin with. So thank goodness for free agency for for Foster. So our prayers are with him. Uh, the Raiders currently have the tight ends on the roster: Austin Hooper and OJ Howard. Those are the main two guys, the the free agents that they brought in in the off season. And so getting a guy like Michael Mayer is a big deal. So I'm excited about what he could bring to this Raiders offense and see what Josh McDaniels could do with them. Right, I mean, you're you're the play caller. You're the guy with the offensive, uh, you know, the, the the blueprint. You have all the goods as far as the offense goes. Okay, now you got the players to go execute it. So uh, now it's on you to go make it happen. So we'll talk to Mike Golick Senior. All things uh, Michael Mayer. We'll talk to him about the draft in general. You know, it's funny he uh, he pointed out on a podcast that he was doing. He pointed out that you know I think a, a year ago everyone was saying, man. Next year's draft, can't wait till those guys come out. Those quarterbacks come out in the draft, man. They're going to be fantastic. Then leading up to the draft, it's like, well, this isn't really the year for quarterbacks, and now we're talking about next year already. There's already a list out of the guys, that the, the top quarterbacks that are going to come out in the draft in 2024, and I pretty much guarantee you the closer we get to that draft, they'll say, well, you know, this, this quarterback class isn't really what, you know, what the next one's going to be. Or, you know, it's always something. I think there's every once in a while there'll be a year – Maybe a couple years where it's like, yeah, this is a really good quarterback class. Outside of that, you'll hear you'll hear that it's a good one until until you don't hear it's a good one, right? And that's how it was. I mean, uh, a year ago, it was wait till Bryce Young comes out, wait till C.J. Stroud comes out, wait till this guy comes out, man. That they're they're gonna light it on fire, man. Teams, if you need a quarterback, that's the draft you want to be in. And then all of a sudden, the closer you get to the draft, it's like, yeah, they're not really that good. Like Bryce Young is good, C.J. Stroud is alright. Everyone else is a big question mark. Like that's that's basically what ended up happening last week in Kansas City, where the narrative was the quarterback class wasn't very very heavy. So we'll ask him about that as well. And again, that's coming up at two thirty. Excited about the opportunity to talk to Mike Golick Senior. He's usually on uh, with JT at the Super Bowl whenever we we have an opportunity to to catch up with them at the Super Bowl, whether it's in LA or Arizona the last year. Uh, but yeah, to have him on with us this afternoon is going to be uh, a lot of fun. So that's coming up at two thirty at three o'clock. Graham Coffee, our good friend from DogCentral.com, he'll join. And we'll talk all things Chris Smith the second. We'll talk all things the safety out of Georgia, what he brings to the table. I keep calling him a young Deron Harmon. He's a guy that's had three interceptions each season the last couple seasons, six total uh, for the Georgia Bulldogs. He's a guy that I believe, even though he has that production, he has not topped out on who he's going to be. I think he's just getting better and better and better. I don't think he's going to start the season 
on the field as a starter. I think at some point during the season, he's going to work his way onto the field as a starter. Just kind of doing a little bit of research on him and, and, and watching how he operates. And he's not the most athletic dude, DeMond. I mean, he's, he, you know, he's, his test numbers aren't fantastic, but everyone doesn't test well. Some people don't test well, but they play really good. And, and I'll tell you right now, at the end of the day, I'd rather have the guy that doesn't test that great but goes out there and balls out on the field. Some guys just are really good at that. That's their one element. And that's who I think Chris Smith is, is a guy that his numbers aren't going to wow you. His 40 times not going to wow you. But when it comes down to being in the right place at the right time, he's going to make it happen. Yeah, you mentioned some guys don't test well. Not everybody in the NFL is the greatest athlete. I know that they're better than the average Joe, but when it comes to everyone's not going to be that freak athlete where, oh my gosh, right. look at him. Some of those guys, they burn out faster, but the guys that have those 10, 15-year careers, it's the guys that are able to adapt, adapt that know how to use their brain. Where you mentioned Ron Harmon, look mm-hmm. at the McCordys, uh, how long they lasted right. up there in New England as well, where it's the guys that, hey, maybe you aren't you know, the most athletic guy, but I do think that he has the tools to stick around the league for a long time. Right, and that's what it's all about. It's about film study. It's about understanding what you're seeing in front of you when teams line up a certain way, kind of understanding what they're going to do or what they want to do. And that's something that Deron Harmon said to us a lot last year, right? He studies film and says, hey, I, I know where I need to be lined up based off formations. And then he would tell and, you know, like tell a Trayvon Merrick, okay, hey, you be ready here. Or Meek Robinson, you be ready here because in this formation, this is what their concept is. This is what they want to do. And this is how we defend it. And so uh, I think that he's got a lot of, uh, like I said, a young Jerron Harmon in him. So Graham Coffee, dogcentral.com will join us at three o'clock. We'll talk all things Chris Smith the second. Then Vinny Bonsignor, of course, from the RJ and Radio Nation Radio 920, the morning tailgate. He'll join us at 3.30, talk all things silver and black and just kind of get his thoughts now that the draft is is behind the Raiders and they've still got some time for free agency uh, what what he thinks that the team could do and how they look right now you know how they look as far as he's concerned on paper and you know a lot of people have their opinions on the Raiders draft I think we've all come to the agreement DeMond at least in this room that they had a very solid draft I know everyone doesn't sign up for that but I think for the you know for the most part if you really do a little bit of research we had John McClain on on Tuesday he joins us every Tuesday at three o'clock he gave the Raiders an A for their draft and again I don't really do grades I thought that that was a little rich, a little high, but I thought that they were very solid. And I think if you really take the time, Raider Nation, to kind of look around and, and whoever you respect and whatever, whatever outlet it is you respect, if you're a pro football-focused type person, if you're a Yahoo Sports type person, an NFL.com, like there's different flavors of Kool-Aid, right? But I think for the most part, no matter what flavor is yours, I think everyone agrees that the Raiders had a pretty solid draft. Yeah, solid, and there's nothing wrong with a solid where people want to give their grades. What's wrong with a B? I know people say, oh, every player that the te- any team drafts is not going to be a Hall of Famer. I think one team that everyone consensually saying, hey, they won the draft. Let's say the Steelers and the Eagles where people are like, oh, man, those teams, they knocked it out of the park. Not every one of those guys is going to be a home run. It right. looks good the week after the draft, maybe because they have more names that you actually heard of in college. But that, that's no guarantee that those guys, like all five, six of their picks, are going to be home runs. But for this Raider team, I know we're talking about Michael Mayer a little bit with Golick when he comes on. But he is a guy for me. If your second-round pick is somebody that they're already saying he's a day-one starter, not, hey, I know everyone has to earn and compete right. for their job in camp. No, he's but, definitely a day-one starter. But the second-round pick is starter. already, yeah. hey, yeah, those guys are going to have to be competing with him because we're all know, we all know that he, he's going to be that starter. If you're saying that yep. about your second-round pick, to me, off the bat, that's a good draft. I agree. I agree. And I, again, I think Mayer is going to bring a lot to the table that a lot of Raider Nation is going to get excited about. So, yeah, he's starting day one. I don't know what the schedule looks like. The schedule release will come out next week on the 11th, and we'll be talking about it. Obviously, we'll be breaking it down. But that first game of the season, starting lineup, Michael Mayer's lined up right there. 
I promise you. <laughs> I promise you. There's no reason uh, not to have him lined up out there. As long as he's healthy, he's out there. And that goes for any of the starters out there. They, they obviously got to be healthy. But we'll get Vinny's thoughts on the silver and black, what, uh, you know, what he thinks that they did in the draft, how he felt. And, you know, the other thing about the draft, we could say that it was very solid. Like I say, it was a solid draft. I, I believe that they did a good job. Now, two, three years from now, none of them might be worth the salt, right? They All of a sudden, all of them might look up and, and for some reason – they all flamed out. So then it's like, okay, well, the draft wasn't very good. But on the flip side of that, there might be a player or two that we're looking at right now and say, yeah, you know, I'm not too sure. Like Aiden O'Connell. Maybe he develops into something. We're like, wow, didn't see that coming. Or a Trey Tucker. Wow, didn't see that coming. Or, you know, like a, a later round guy, right? Maybe a, a, a Farley. Oh, oh, hey, man, this dude is all of a sudden a great linebacker. Didn't see that coming. Just like, again, I used the example the other day. Max Crosby, when he came out and, and he was drafted in the fourth round, I don't think anyone was pounding the table saying, man, that's going to be the guy to get that contract extension. That guy's going to be, you know, on, he's going to be the leader of the team. He's going to be this, that, and the other. There was a lot of questions. But when he, when he popped and you saw what kind of player he was, it's like, okay, all right, that's, that's a really good pick right there. A lot of people didn't know that going into the draft, including myself. I want to make sure that that's 100% clear. I did not have any idea that Max Crosby was going to be who Max Crosby eventually ended up being, and it didn't take that long for him to get there. So Vinny Bonsignor will join us at 3.30. And then Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports, ran into her just the other day at the celebration for the Aces. She's going to join us at 4.30 to talk about the Aces, talk about that new facility that they have right next to the Raiders facility. You want to talk about a state-of-the-art place. And they had a kind of an open house for it the other day, but it was Friday. And, well, Friday was day two of the draft, and I was in Kansas City. So there was no way that I was going to be able to be there in Kansas City and also uh, in Henderson checking out that new facility. But I wish I could have. I, re- I need to set something up, Demond. I need to set up a private tour or something. I mean, it's bad when I'm sitting in a meeting with Natalie, and she's like, yeah, that facility is nice. I was like, damn, you went there too? She's like, yeah, I went there. <laughs> where I you? mean, who's going to pass up that? Right. She's like, where were you? And I was like, I don't know, Kansas City. <laughs> so, you know, but so I, I missed out. But I know a lot of people in the media. I know Willie Ramirez, our good, our good friend who's on uh, Cofield and Company and uh, ESPN Las Vegas and writes for the AP as well. He was there, and there's a few others there. Well, Paloma was there as well. So she was able to check out the whole facility, check out the film room, check out the locker room, check out the, the hoop courts that they have, you know, the, the, the practice gym and everything. They've got a lot of really nice stuff. I mean, Mark Davis and company put their, their, their foot into it when they really put that, that building together. And to have it right next to the Raiders building, too, is really cool. You know, I mean, you have both teams right there next to each other. Matter of fact, I want to say it was Paul Gutierrez from ESPN on Friday when uh, we were on the radio. We were doing the show from 12 to 2, uh, filling in for JT because he was about to take over the sticks at, at 2 o'clock leading into the draft, him and, and EA and Lincoln Kennedy. So I thought I saw Paul tweet out a picture of, well, in between, you know, draft, I'm going to go over to the facility. And so he went over to the, the Aces facility too. But how cool is that? You're sitting there at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance <laughs> Center. You're doing some Raider stuff, then you're like, you know what? I'm going to walk next door, and I'm going to go check out the Aces facility. But that's what—that's the opportunity that they have now. I'm watching the video on Twitter, and it's just mesmerizing all the cam angles that they have for this. And I want to give a shout-out to Sidney Colson, like the funniest tweet over the weekend. About to be naked all throughout this facility. <laughs> <laughs> and then the team tweeted out the Jamal Adams. They right. must have cut me. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, did you see? You saw the video where she couldn't yeah. get in? That was funny. And then she couldn't actually get in? Hilarious. But, no, that's a great facility. It really is. So, at some point, we're going to have to do our show live from there. Hint, hit, Aces. I'm just saying. We're going to have to do the show live from there since I didn't get the, get the tour in. My fault, not yours. <laughs> so, you know, I was kind of busy. But it's okay. 
right? We'll be there. So you just you just send the word, send a bat signal or something, and we'll be there. We'd love to do the show live from the Aces facility, especially when they're practicing and just, you know, obviously out of the way. Wouldn't want to get in the way during practice sessions or anything. But just to be over there and hang out, be a fly on the wall, I think would be a lot of fun. So Paloma Villacana will join us at 4.30 to talk all things LV Aces. So we've got a hell of a lineup for you, man. Mike Golick Sr., Graham Coffey, Vinny Bonsignor, Paloma Villacana, and of course you as well, Raider Nation, at 702-365-9200 and the don'tbebroke.com text line 69187, keyword r Let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Law. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. So I've got a couple things that I wanted to bring to the table on today's show. A couple questions. One, I want to rehash a question that I threw out there yesterday because we had a, such a short show and we didn't really have too much momentum. Usually we're coming off the heels of JT the Brick show, so we have a nice little min- amount of momentum uh, coming into the show and, and have the full audience. So I wanted to rehash the question that I threw out there yesterday. What free agent or free agents do you think the Raiders should make a move on post-draft, right? You know what the roster looks like, so if there's a guy or guys out there, a couple guys out there that you think the Raiders should pick up the phone and make a call and try to pick up, who would that be? That was yesterday's question, but I also, I'm a big NFL Network guy. I love watching NFL Network. If I'm at the house working on something, I have it on in the background. You know, obviously I flip around from ESPN and other, uh, other networks as well. But NFL Network usually is my go-to. Every morning is my go-to. And I still love to watch Good Morning Football. I really do. And so, uh, you know, they have their show going on, and they're talking about tiers of quarterbacks in the AFC. And Kyle Brandt had like seven different tiers of quarterbacks. The seventh was, was the rookie quarterbacks. You know, the C.J. Strouds, uh, guys like Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, guys like that. Those were the guys that were in the seventh tier. But he had Jimmy G in the fifth tier all by himself in the fifth tier. And then below him, he had like Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence felt some kind of way, tweeted out, you know, games aren't won uh, on paper and all this other stuff. So I'm not asking about the tier as a quarterback. I don't think uh, none of that really matters. I mean, again, it's, it's May 4th, right? I mean, it doesn't really matter about the tier as a quarterback. But it did get me to thinking, and it did help me come up with this question for today, If Jimmy G, just for S's and giggles, if he were to stay healthy, because I don't wish injury on anybody, if he stays healthy throughout the course of the season, how good do you think this Raiders offense realistically can be? And I mean, I ask that in all sincerity, DeMond, because really, you look at the offense, and JT talks about it all the time, this offense could compete with just about anybody, right? I mean, I I don't see a team, if you look around the landscape of the league, and it feels like deja vu, it feels like I said this, this last year when I thought about the addition of Devontae Adams and bringing in Josh, or having Josh Jacobs and, and all that, and I, I felt like, well, what team can't they compete with? Well, now I'm looking at the weapons that they have, especially with the addition of Michael Mayer, who we'll talk about coming up at 2.30 with Mike Golick Sr. You have him. You, you have Jacoby Myers. You know, depending on what happens, you, you have Hunter Renfro. You have Trey Tucker. There, there is a world where they can coexist, right? It doesn't mean that just because one's there, that doesn't mean the other one won't be. It's just one of the narratives that are out there that maybe, maybe one won't be there, and that would be obviously Hunter. But you know what Hunter brings to the table. He's a hell of a player. There's a reason why he got a contract extension. It wasn't on accident. A healthy Hunter Renfro is a good Hunter Renfro, and I've seen pictures of him out at the facility working. So he's putting in the work. He's, he's doing what he's supposed to do. So you have all these weapons. Jaco- uh, uh, Josh Jacobs, you're assuming, is going to sign the franchise tag at some point, and he'll be ready to roll. You have Jimmy G, who that's Josh McDaniel's guy. He knows his system. So I throw the question out there, 702-365-9200. WBroke.com text line 69187 keyword RNR. If Jimmy G stays healthy, how good do you realistically believe this Raiders offense can be? We know that the defense has to be better. The Raiders went out and spent six of their nine draft picks on defense. 
to try to help the, the defense come along. It's not going to be exactly where it needs to be after one draft. We, we realize that. But if they're a little bit better, and I, I say a little bit, I, I would like to see them be a lot better than they were last year. But even if they're a little bit better, how, how good, in your opinion, DeMond, can this offense be? I think this can be a top 10 offense in the league. I mean, last year when it comes to points per game, they were at 12th. So I do think that this team, they have the the key players. What was the number? Do you have the number in front of you of what, what number? You said they were at 12th. 23.2. So if they can, so what are you thinking about? 27, 28? Comfortably, com- comfortably 28 points a game? Comfortably, I think average out it'll probably be closer to twenty six because there's always those games where you know it's it's going to be a little bit of a of a slug 'em out drag fest. Right. But for me, if this team can average about twenty six points a game, I know that that would only be a field goal increase from last season. But I do think that the key difference that a lot of people aren't giving Jimmy G the credit for the red zone. I do mm-hmm. think that that's going to be a factor. Michael Mayer, that's where, that's where what he's, I'm thinking where about. He's yeah. a guy where hey, we we know in college that he was a great red zone target. He's the league lead, um, excuse me, the school leader at Notre Dame for receptions by a tight end. Where this guy, he can catch the ball, he can catch the ball in the area of the field where it matters the most. Uh, we all remember Travis Kelsey where it was like, how is this guy just sitting there <laughs> right. right open, right. wide open in the end zone in that game where he, where he had three or four touchdowns with like right. 20 he seven, yards. He had like seven catches, 25 yards, and four touchdowns. That was ridiculous. Yeah, so for the Raiders, I, I know that he might not be as dynamic. Not my, He's not going to be as athletic as that guy, mm-hmm. but they have their answer for that. And all we, uh, hey, Fabian, minus four, right? <laughs> Everybody knows about the minus fours. I do think that maybe if this team overall, if you want to say they're they're what they're lacking in this area, they're not as good in this area in the red zone. This team mm-hmm. is going to be improved. I think so too, and, and that's where it has to be. The red zone has got to be much improved, and I think that it has the opportunity to. Of course, again, it's May, so we don't know we don't know what it looks like on the field right now. But in my mind, my vision is that it's going to look really good in the red zone where it needs to. They didn't have problems really getting up and down the field. Between the 20s, they didn't struggle. And they haven't struggled in years between the 20s. The biggest common denominator, the biggest question mark, and the biggest issue that Raider Nation has had and the Raiders in general have had, and the only reason Raider Nation has had it because it's frustrating, is they haven't been able to capitalize in the red zone. So I think Mayer brings a huge element to that. And again, one of the questions I'm going to ask Mike Golick about is, is his basketball background. Is his back is his ability to go and basically post up and get a defender on his back. Once he's able to shield you off, and, and I'm and I'm doing this, and I know nobody can see me except for you, Demond. But I'm I'm literally doing it like I'm in the. He's post posting right up now. right now, guys. Yeah, I'm posted up right now, and I'm getting my defender on the back. Got and his now, hand up and everything. Once I've shielded you off, once you're on my backside, there's nothing you could do. And if you're going to come through me, it's a penalty, right? So I feel like he's really going to have that that uh, that opportunity to be effective in the red zone. Devontae Adams, we know how good he could be in the red zone. And Hunter Renfro, we see what he does, right? He just finds a way to get open. I don't even know what it's called, but he just finds a way to get open. So all of a sudden, if you have Jimmy G who's getting the ball out of his hands really quickly, and obviously this all depends on Jimmy G staying healthy, but he's getting the ball out of his hands quickly, and he's looking at Mayer. He's looking at Adams. He's looking at Renfro. Myers, tall guy, right? I mean, you're looking at at options like that. It won't be so much, in my opinion, run the ball into the end zone, run the ball into the end zone, or – Dump it off short to Josh Jacobs and hope that he, he can run it in. or something. No, throw the ball into the end zone. And you know a funny nugget about Josh Jacobs? And I have to ask him about it. Hopefully I can remember. He hasn't had a, a receiving touchdown yet in his career. Did you know that? 
Uh, yeah, I did know because you brought this up a couple of weeks did ago too. Yeah, okay. you did. You have brought this up before, but Damn. for me, it, no. Well, I mean, you still can. You still got to ask him about it. Right. Where it comes, I remember going into the. 2019 or the, tw- the first season in Vegas, the 2020 yeah. season, mm-hmm. where he said, "Hey, I want to get better as a receiver. I right. want to get better as a receiver." He's gotten better as a receiver, as a receiving running back. Still, just not able to have that touchdown. It is surprising because you always think of a, a running back just going out for maybe let's say a swing or a wheel route right. and just catching it and walking into the end zone. Yeah, hasn't even had one of those yet. Hasn't had one of those yet. So that's going to be interesting. I'm sure he'll probably want to add that to his uh, his resume of things that he's been able to do. So the question I throw out there to you: If Jimmy G stays healthy, how good? Do you think this Raiders offense could be? 702-365-9200, don'tbebroke.com, text line 69187, keyword r This is from the 707. Last season, our quarterback was healthy all year, but Waller and Renfro were hurt. So if everyone was healthy all season, they could have been a top-scoring offense, a top-10-scoring offense, so I don't see why they couldn't be top-10-scoring offense this season if everyone stays healthy. I like it. That's good That's that's good thinking and goes back to you, what you're saying, top-10 offense. Again, you know, they were. you said top 12 last year. Okay, if they're top 12, they turn top 10, maybe they get to 9 or 8. How many more wins is that? Right? Obviously, we can't project them. We can only think about it. But if they're just a little bit more effective, again, going back to the red zone, they have an opportunity to win a lot more games. Again, 702-365-9200. Who we got up first, Devon? Gerald in Jersey. Gerald, welcome to the show. Old Gerald. How are you? I'm fantastic, my brother. How are you? I'm okay. Well, so here's the thing. It's a big if if Jimmy G stays healthy. For sure. I'm not, I'm not saying that the guy can't the guy can't lead an offense, but if if the fact of the matter is he couldn't win a Super Bowl with the best defense in football, one of the best defenses in football, and I just can't imagine it equating to a lot more wins because the Raiders defense has been the problem for the last 10 years. Okay. It's not it's not really the quarterback that was the problem. So I don't I, as much as I'd like to think that this offense is going to be so great. What good does it do if you can't stop anybody defensively? Well, I mean that's a, that's a and stay right there with me. That's kind of a you know negative thought on May fourth. <laughs> I mean seriously, like we're talking. No, no, I know, I know. I'm it just is. I'm just asking how good the offense could be, and if the, de- the we all know the defense has got to be better. I think we could all agree on that. Yeah, I mean I just I I, I definitely think it could be. A re- I mean, listen, he knows. He knows Josh McDaniel's offense, so I believe it could be really, really good if he stays healthy. I really do. I do. But you know, got to get that I defense stay, there. Got to get that yeah, defense. Yeah, I want. I want to stay positive, but it's really hard as a Raider. Oh, man. I know, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I know, Gerald. I know, my man. I appreciate you. Appreciate the call, my man. At least he's got a, a good laugh out of it, right? He was able to get a good laugh. Let's get one more call in. Seven zero two three six five. Just kidding. Ninety two hundred is the number. Demond just shook me off. Kill, kill, kill. That's all you gotta do. We gotta get a kill, kill, kill in there. That's all we gotta get, Demond. Eight three one Raider J said, Demond. By that logic, we should see at least a four point per game increase. Sevens instead of three. Uh, again, that's from eight three one Raider J, and uh, I agree. I think that that's one of the biggest things that we're talking about is it's got to be a better production in the red zone. I feel like we've been talking about the red zone for years, so at this point, we, we've got to start to see better production in the red zone. And with those players that the Raiders have, when you have a Devonte, when you have a Mayor, when you have a Renfro, when you have a Myers, when you have those guys with their size or their ability or both, they should be able to score more touchdowns and less field goals. Again, one of the biggest keys, though, and it was so frustrating, at least for me last season, was seeing the ball not being thrown into the end zone. So many times the ball came short, fell short of the end zone, and it was expected to break a tackle. Go break a tackle and get in. Break a tackle and get in. No, just throw it in. 
Just throw it in. Even, even a couple of Devontae touchdowns. Remember early in the season, he'd be coming down the line of scrimmage and it's like barely, the ball's barely snapped and it's just like, oh, toss it to him and let him just kind of jigger butt in or whatever. You know what I mean? Like Make him make a play. Yeah, exactly. Like that, You don't need to do that. You can literally throw the ball to him. That, that, that is possible, right? I mean, you don't have to let a guy you know try to make a play and, and make a move or two. And the good thing is Devontae can do it. Hunter can do it. Those guys can all do it. But why, why, why do that? I think they should make a habit of throwing the ball into the end zone more times than not. Uh, 805 Raiders said, if we can get him cheap, sign cornerback Shaquille Griffin. Would love to see Peters in silver and black, but he probably wants too much money. If Jimmy G stays healthy, I expect Raiders to start hot. 4-1 and one maybe, 5-0. and oh. Whew, That's 805 Raider, and that's, that's big time right there. Start 4-1 or 5-0, and, one or, or five and, oh. and you know, I always break the season up into quarters. And obviously there's 17 games now, so you can't quite do that. But I always say you've got to win the, you know, you've got to win three out of four. Three out of four. Three. If you can win three out of four, then you have a hell of a season, right? That's the goal. Win three out of four. You know, sometimes you're gonna you're gonna split. You'll do two out of four. But the the, the times where you go over or one for four, one out of four, that's all bad. Those are the ones that you don't want. You want to eliminate those. You want to at least go. You know, two and two in that four game stretch, but preferably you want to be obviously three and one. Next week, when the schedule comes out, we'll have a better idea because they got a tough schedule. Let's not make, you know, let's not get it twisted. The teams that they're going to be playing this upcoming year are not easy teams at all. And I don't think any team in the NFL is easy, but you know what I mean. There's some teams that you look at and you're like, yeah, that's a really good team. That's a really good team. That's a really good team. The Raiders got some really tough games on their schedule this week or this year. So we'll uh, we'll look forward to when the schedule release and we can break it down and talk about it. But I do want to hear from you at 69187, keyword R&R. Again, that's the don'tbebroke.com text line. Two quick questions. If Jimmy G stays healthy, how good do you think this Raiders offense could be? And this is yesterday's question. What free agent or free agents do you think the Raiders should make a move for post-draft now that you know what the roster looks like? 225 is the time when we come back. Mike Golick Sr. from DraftKings will join us. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Through the question out there, if Jimmy G stays healthy, how good do you think this Raiders offense can be? Hit us up at 69187, keyword R&R. This is text line. You can hit us up at any point of the show, even when we have a guest, if you want us to pass a question on to that guest, like our next one that we're pleased to have on the phone lines with us from DraftKings Sports Analyst. That's our guy, Mike Golick Sr. And, Mike, how you doing this afternoon? We appreciate you. I'm doing well, doing well. we got a whole new batch of millionaires out there now, don't we? Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Of course, every fan base is excited after the draft gets wrapped up. We just came back from Kansas City, so that was a good time. And, you know, it's funny. Before we get into Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Dame, I'm excited about him, that addition that the Raiders made. I wanted to ask you about the quarterback position. We hear every single year, and I heard you talking about it on your podcast, uh, Golik and Smitty, that uh, that every year we hear about the quarterbacks, and, well, if you need one, next year is the actual year to go get get a quarterback and then that year comes up and it's like yeah that draft class isn't really that good when it comes to quarterbacks it's just stunning i mean it's like you you build a class up uh to the height and then you tear it down because all of a sudden you have so much information it's like maybe because remember two years ago it was just kenny pickett that went it was he was the only quarterback taken in the first 73 selections and everybody was like oh but that next year's draft you know with stroud and with young and with Richardson and Levis and Hooker before he got hurt. And then it was amazing at the end of that, where, of course, the two top ones, or you have three that go 
in the top four picks, but it's called, oh, that next group with May and Williams, they're going to be even better. It's just stunning how we like to build up and then tear down. Yeah, no, we really do. And, you know, it's so funny and it's it's so difficult, really, to analyze what quarterback's going to be really good on the next level. Do you have any understanding why it is so difficult to see if that game is going to translate into the NFL? Well, I, I think one of the things that's changed, quite honestly, to where maybe we won't see as many busts as we've seen in the past. I think the one big change, it, it normally was, no matter what your style was in college, when you came to the NFL, they, like, retrofit you <laughs> to play NFL football. So even if you were kind of a scrambler or a runner, uh, something like that, it was still stay in the pocket, just stay in the pocket and throw the ball. Now, I, I think they've gotten better to have NFL teams that say, okay, we're actually going to take your skills that you have and incorporate them into our office. So now it's half rolls, it's boots, it's getting you on the move a little more, whether if, if you can be dangerous with your legs. So I'm, I'm hoping that 50% number goes down because they're actually, I think, using the talent of the quarterbacks a little more uh, in this in recent history than they have back in the day a bit. Mike Golick Sr. is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. I, you named all those quarterbacks, you know, Richardson, Levis, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Hendon Hooker. Was any of those quarterbacks, were you kind of high on those, or do you believe that that could be that franchise guy when you look at him now? Uh, for for the, the guys that just got drafted? Yeah. Yeah, I had my order. I had Stroud first, actually, and I had Bryce Young second. I had them neck and neck. I think they were the two top guys. Uh, and then after that, I had Richardson and then Levis. If Hendon Hooker was healthy, I may have had him third, possibly fourth. I like Hendon Hooker a lot. So we'll see, you know, when he gets healthy and can play and get to shot, what he can do. I know a lot of people talked about it was a real uh, quarterback-friendly offense at Tennessee, but I just liked what he did. So I'm excited to see what he does. You know, with the, with the Anthony Richardson's only had, what, the 12 or 13 starts. Mm-hmm. So the ceiling is high. It's almost like Trey Lance, who the uh, 49ers traded up to get. And, I, 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 and while the jury's out because he's been injured, not, not by his fault at all, I'm a little more excited in Richardson to see what that ceiling is going to be. But, but I think clearly the top two were definitely Stroud and Young. Talking again with Mike Golick Sr. from DraftKings here on Radio Nation Radio 920. DeMond's got one for you. Yeah, I've got to ask you about Michael Mayer, the tight end out of Notre Let's Dame. Go. I mean, when I first reached out to you, you said he's a great kid and he was an absolute steal. How big of a surprise was it for you that he actually was left available available in the second round? This is one of those situations where the more somebody plays and the more you talk about him, sometimes you talk yourself out of it, uh, in my opinion. Michael Mayer, all he does is make plays and get the job done. Is he the fastest guy? No. Is he going to stretch that defense with, with incredible separation? Probably not. But he's going to block, and he's going to make every catch that's near him. That's all he does. And you know what that is? That's, you know, the comparison to me is Jason Witten. When you watch Jason mm. Witten play, you were just like, boy, he, you know, not a lot of separation, but oh, we made the catch. Oh, we got the touchdown. Oh, we got the first down. Oh, he's blocking you know, and helping in the run game. And next thing you know, he's going to be a Hall, a hall of Fame tight end as Jason Witten. So I, I, people get caught up at times when you get to that combine and all of a sudden you're short to the T-shirt and somebody runs a real flashy 40 or looks really good in their, in their T-shirt and all of a sudden things start to change a little bit. 
and he ends up being, what, the third tight end to go, I believe it mm-hmm. was. So, yes, I was surprised. I think he's the best uh, um, tight end in the class. I know Dalton Kincaid, he's more of that wide receiver, who went to Buffalo, wide receiver type, tight end type that, that can stretch the middle, has a little faster, not as good a blocker nearly as Michael Mayer. Like I said, I, my, I watch tape. I call games, I watch tape. That's how I judge somebody. And all I've ever seen Michael Mayer do is make the plays when he has to make the plays, and that's exactly what he's going to do for the Raiders. And you're also Notre Dame you know, royalty up there in <laughs> South Bend, so I've got to ask you, when it comes to the career that he was able to put up, put together at Notre Dame, not saying like where does he rank, but how good was he in college that people maybe just forget? Well, look, look at, I mean, this was, you can either call Notre Dame tight end you or O-line you because they have a number of tight ends in the league and a number of high-profile offensive linemen as well. So that's two positions that Notre Dame has really turned out a lot of NFL players, and Michael Mayer broke every tight end record there was. So, I mean, that shows you how good he was. And considering last year, they really didn't have a passing quarterback. You know, they ended up playing just about the entire year with a backup quarterback in Drew Pine. It wasn't a really gifted passer. And again, Michael Mayer was, was the, the big-time receiver uh, because the wide receivers was kind of an unproven group. So you knew he was going to get the ball. He'd be double-covered, and yet he'd still get the ball even when it was forced to him. So he, he's right up there you know, with the all-time greats as far as that. Statistically, he's the best that there ever was at Notre Dame, without question, because you know, he's he got those numbers. But he is right there. You know, when you talk about the greats that come out of Notre Dame, Michael Mayer's name is going to be one of the first ones on the list. Mike Golick Sr. from DraftKings is here with us on Radio Nation Radio 920, Necessary Roughness. Now, his nickname is Baby Gronk, and we know Gronk is a Hall of Famer. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, just like you mentioned, Jason Witten. But we also know what Josh McDaniels, the Raiders head coach, was able to do with Gronkowski when they were in New England together. Is this not the best offense for a guy like Michael Mayer to really show what he can do and really help Josh McDaniels get his offense going the way he wants it to go? Let me tell you, there is nothing like an excellent tight end that can help an offense because a lot of times you can be you can be the main receiver, like we see at times you know with Travis Kelsey or Kittle or Mark Andrews, or you can be that great bailout guy for a quarterback. You know, when things get tough, you know he can be maybe the second or third option, but you know he's going to make the play. And sometimes it's a quarterback's best friend because you know that guy is going to make the play. And Josh certainly knows how to coach tight ends, as you mentioned, having Gronk there. Now, Gronk is a special breed. And Mm -hmm. that's one thing, while I compared his game to Jason's game, I'll I'll never sit here and say some guy coming into the league as a rookie, oh, I project him to be a Hall of Famer. (laughs) That's not fair to Hall of Famers out there. You've got to go prove that. I'm just comparing their games. So uh, that's something Michael knows he has to go out and prove. But I I have all the confidence in the world that he will be a high, high counted on piece of that Raider offense you know and he was so good at Notre Dame in the red zone and that's really where the Raiders have struggled how much of his basketball background helps him when he gets to the red zone I mean just look at that position we've had guys you know the latest is Antonio as far as going in the Hall of Fame Antonio Gates is just about ready to go in the Hall of Fame I think he's been out five years the guy never played college football he just played basketball how many guys tight ends that have come into the league that have a huge basketball experience so when they're covered, they know how to box out. They know how to use their body to leverage against what are normally smaller coverage guys, be it safeties or linebackers, that they can, they can either, if they're not outmaneuvering them, 
can block them out and get in a position for, in this case, Jimmy Garoppolo to get them the ball. So it's huge. I mean, they know spacing. Much like as a, as a former D lineman that I was, or O lineman, I was a former wrestler. I could tell leverage on a play all the time on who had the leverage and how I could gain leverage. For basketball players, they had that feel out on a route of position on a player to either box a guy out or get themselves in the best position and give the quarterback a great target. I want to take it into the trenches. You being a former defensive lineman, what are your thoughts on the Raiders' first-round pick and Tyree Wilson? Listen, I love Tyree, and he's a guy that that you wondered if he was going to slide because of his foot and what was going on with that. But, my God, you look at him and (laughs) and his size and what – what he was able to do, and, and then where you can possibly play him. That, that's, that's the thing nowadays. It's, you know, we sit there and talk about um, positionless uh, um, position of the NBA, where there's, you know, guys just play all over the place. You know, Tyree is a guy, you know, 6'6", six, six, what he was, like 270 or so mm-hmm. at the Combine. So you can do that with a couple of guys like that. You can rush him out on the edge. You know, you go back, to the, back in the day a bit with the Giants, and in like a nickel situation, they will call it their NASCAR package, where they would basically have four defensive ends in the game, two of them playing on the inside a little bit. And I think that's what you can do. You can't really do that with some of these edge rushers who are like 240 pounds, 250 pounds. But a guy 270 or more, you can move them around a little bit in that and to have better pass rushers out in the field. And that's something eventually I could see Tyree doing. And the great part about rushers like that is, especially on the D-line, you don't have to come in and play 70 plays right out of the gate. The beautiful thing about a D-line is if you can have a rotation and work your way in and get some pass rushes and work in occasionally until you can become more of a three-down guy. That, that's kind of the, the beauty of that defensive line in depth. Mike Golick Sr. from DraftKings is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness. Just got a couple more questions for you, and I wanted to go back to Michael Mayer and the fact that he's really good at blocking as well. How much does that help your offensive line when you have that tight end at the end that can play in real tight and help out with the blocking? Oh, it's huge because every team knows what, what tight ends are a blocking threat and ones that aren't. So, And that's, again, where you can credit at least last year uh, for Michael because, you know, Notre Dame was still a running offense. Um, especially because you play, again, with a backup who's not really uh, that great of a passer, so you're going to run more. So Harry Heastan, the offensive line coach, came back for that one year last year, and I, I still think he's the best offensive line coach I've seen in college. So Michael Mayer got that beauty of working with, with Harry for that year to help his, help his blocking even more. It is monstrous for an offense when a guy can take the edge uh, like, like a good tight end, a good blocking tight end can or have to block down and then pop off to the second level where it's a little more of a stock positioning block, but big enough and strong enough to still get his hands on somebody, you know, on the D line and stay engaged to help the running back. So it's huge. I mean, absolutely huge to have that extra guy who can be on the field. And because a lot of times, you know, a guy that comes in, he's a blocking tight end and that's basically all he's going to do. Well, Micah Mayer, he may block, but he could just as easily block for a second and go out for a pass and end up being wide open. How many times do we see the, the tight end to the right, the fake run to the right, the half boot to the left, and the tight end does a little fake block and then crosses the field, and he ends up being wide open because he was a blocking threat, and then he gets lost in coverage. And that, that's something I can see happening a lot. I've got to ask you, when we first started the interview, you mentioned how a lot of guys are going to be millionaires now after getting drafted. What was the experience like for you back in the day, waiting until the 10th round, and what, did you, what were you doing when you finally got that call? 
So I was at, at school at Notre Dame. My brother Bob was in the NFL at that point, and he came in for draft weekend, and he brought a bunch of, bunch of beer. So <laughs> it took me so long. Now, again, for the younger audience out there, the draft when I was in the, in the game was 12 rounds, and quite honestly, before that, it was 18 rounds. So not the seven that it is now. So I go in the 10th round. I, I, when the draft was going on, I got drunk, sobered up, and drunk again before I got drafted. That's how long <laughs> it took. And one of the biggest differences now is if you make the team undrafted, free agent, whatever, you're, the minimum salary I think now is, is like $500,000 or in that area there. When I was a rookie, they didn't have minimums like that. I made $62,500 as a rookie. It took me four years into my fourth year to even start making over $100,000. So it, it, and, and listen, I'm not saying that as a bitter guy. I'm just saying that's where it was. And we see where it is now, where Jalen Carter for the Eagles is the first one to be slotted in the rookie weight scale. I think he's got that what that first round deal for like twenty one five guaranteed. So you know, good for him and all these guys that can make the money now. But yeah, a little bit different back in nineteen eighty five. Does it ever blow your mind how much the draft has changed, the process, the coverage, everything that has to do with the draft from then to where it is right now? Oh, I mean, they turned it into a show, just like the Combine. You know, and I think that's great because football is by far the most popular sport in the United States. People can't, there, there is no offseason. There's always something to talk about. So now in the actual offseason, you have free agency, you have the Combine, which they're now starting to let the public into, and you have the draft. You'll never have an indoor draft again, uh, unless I guess they would go to a a cold area, but even in April, it's usually warm by then. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're going to Kansas City. Hell, that's cold, and it was beautiful there. Yep. So, I mean, it, it is great what the NFL has done, has done to turn these into shows, and that's been the biggest difference, and I think it's great. Um, people love it, so when you love something, give them more, and that's <laughs> what the NFL is doing by going around playing games in Germany now. They've been doing it in London, moving games across the world in different spots. It, it's uh, it's it's that's how popular this game is. So play to the crowd. Yeah, they do, and they do a really good job of playing to the crowd. That is the NFL. And Mike, final question for you. I want to take it back to Notre Dame real quick. Uh, I'm a big fan of Marcus Freeman. I was so happy when he got the head coaching job, and I know it didn't start out great out of the gates, but he recovered nicely. What are your thoughts on Marcus Freeman, the head coach there? Love Marcus. Um, love his recruiting. Um, love his way with the players, and they love him. Uh, but, but as he knows, and I've gotten to know him pretty well over the last couple of years when he was first there, you know, as an assistant coach. And, but he knows, he knows that, they, you know, every, I'm not saying he knows everybody loves him, but everybody loves the guy, but he knows that's great, but you got to win. Yep. You know, I mean, Notre Dame is not in the conference, so you have to be fighting for that national title just about every single year. The biggest thing now for them, two things. One, they got a passer in Sam Hartman. So while they still want to run the ball, they have a better passer now. So I, I'll really look forward to see where that goes. And the other, you're in the second year now, so nothing new anymore with the players and what they're doing. So the, the, one of the first things that has to end is losing those games that you shouldn't, losing to Marshall, uh, losing to Stanford. When they lost to Stanford, their only win had been against Colgate. Mm-hmm. Games that you need to be winning, those are the ones you can't give away, and that, that's the next step. 
in the Marcus Freeman era. Yeah, I agree 100%. I'll definitely be paying attention, locked in. I, like I said, I really like what he was able to do when he was a defensive coordinator. Hell, I like what he was able to do as a defensive coordinator when he was in Cincinnati, and so I think he has Cincinnati, an opportunity right? Yep, to do some really good things there at Notre Dame. Well, DraftKings, Golik and Smitty, the podcast, what are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, you know, just, just doing it. It's fun. I'm starting to do some more shows with my son, Mike, who's with DraftKings as well. Nice. Uh, I, I'm still getting involved in calling games. The, the national rights holder for the NFL is Westwood One Radio. I call games, usually the Sunday night games for them. So while I'm not doing that everyday show like I did at ESPN, I'm still in it enough where I still get to talk sports. Uh, but I don't have to get up at 415 every day. I heard that. Well, you continue to do a great job, and we definitely appreciate you this afternoon. And make sure you tell Gojo we said hello as well. <laughs> I'll do it. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much. Mike Golick Sr. right there, DraftKings Sports Analyst. You can check him out on Twitter, at Golick. That's simple. And, again, you can check out his podcast, Golick and Smitty, and he does do a lot of work with his son, uh, uh, Mike Golick Jr., as well, and everyone on the network. I feel cool because I'm part of the network. We all call him Gojo. <laughs> <laughs> I think Jason Fitz might have started that one. I'm not 100% sure, but uh, they passed it along to me, and they're like, oh, yeah, Q, you remember Gojo? And I, I, Have I ever told you my, my, my Gojo story? No, you haven't. Let's hear it. My Gojo story, and I feel so bad for him. And the next time I see him and actually get to talk to him, I will apologize again. But I, I, and it's funny. Jason Fitz asked me when one of the first times I did ESPN National, he said, hey, what's one of the worst interviews that you've ever done? And I was like, unfortunately – Mike Goley Jr. Now, I interviewed him at the Super Bowl in Houston. It's the interview that will never be heard. It's never been heard, right? And there's some interviews that you do sometimes, and I'm like, oh, this is not good. We're Worse not- than the Conor McGregor? Oh, yeah. Conor McGregor, it was a great interview. It just got, oh, okay, it just got water. No. It was waterlogged. Okay. No, it just got waterlogged, so we couldn't, we couldn't use it. This one, I refused to air. Like, no, there was no way that this was going to get aired. I would have left Houston, gone all the way back to Central Texas, and found the producer and buried them out back if they had played it. It was so bad. Right, so we're it's me and it's me and my guy Ward Whites, and we have our, our other co-host Craig Smoke. Well, Craig didn't want to do the interview because he was working on something. He was very picky with what he wanted to do, so he just last second, Mike Golick Jr. and someone else, and I don't know who someone else is, is sitting down at our table, and the last second, Craig waves us off like, "No, you guys go ahead and do it." And so I was like, "Uh, okay," and I had no idea, I had no information. Nobody give me. You know how it is at the Super Bowl; they give you information. Yeah, no, but, this is what he's here to promote. Yeah, yeah this is what he's promoting. This is nothing because Craig had it, but he didn't want to do the interview. So all of a sudden, I'm like, all right, well, let's start it. So then me and Ward are doing this interview, and I'm talking to, to Mike because I don't know who this other guy is. Like, I don't know who he is. He could have been you. I don't know who it was. And then my, my, my co-host, Ward, decides he wants to involve the other guy, and he thought that he said he went to a certain school that he clearly didn't go to because he was like, oh, so-and-so school. Like, maybe he said Northwestern. I have a Northwestern jacket in my closet. And I looked at him, I go, you do? He went to Texas Tech. And I was like, you do? And he goes, yeah, I got it in my closet. And I was like, oh, I never knew that. And then the guy pops in and goes, oh, I didn't go there. <laughs> was this guy a former player of any sort? I don't know. Just, just... Devon, I still don't know who that guy is. Great interview. Black dude with Golo. With Golik. That's all I know. Black dude with Golik. That's all I know. I don't. I still to this day don't know who it was. Did he look like he had some size on him? Was it? I don't know, Demond. He was you, nothing. You, I, you don't even was, remember. He was black dude with Mike Golick Jr. Did he at least look like he was the same size as Golick? No, because Gojo's kind of tall. Yeah, yeah, I mean, so yeah. maybe I'm like, if he was the same size, no, maybe it's a probably, former he was player, buddy. My, he was probably my height. So you know my height. You can confuse with me if I'm a radio dude, if I'm a former athlete. If I'm, I mean, you could. It's I'm in. I'm a tweener, right? I'm in between. <laughs> so you know what I mean. So I couldn't. T- I never knew. So we're doing this interview, and so I ask him, because one of the traditional questions that you ask on Radio Row is, well, how's Radio Row treating you? And Golik says, well, this is our first interview, so depending on how it goes with you guys, depends on how my day is going to go. And I said, well, I know your day sucks. I'm sorry. Oh, no. <laughs> I, 
I, mean, I was just honest with him. I was like, I know your day is bad. I apologize. And he starts laughing. It was just, it was all bad from the jump, man. It was terrible. So it was that bad. I mean, oh, did, it was did that you bad. Me, was this before he ate the mayonnaise? I mean, did you even have a Oh, no, that was funny. This, no, this is, I, I was in Central Texas then. The mayonnaise thing was just recently. So there was nothing good there, huh? No, no. And, he, and, it wasn't, and it wasn't his fault. It was all me and, and Ward. It was more Ward than me. It was actually Craig's fault. It was actually Craig's fault because he, he, he waved us off. And if you get to know Craig, you met Smoke. That's his dad. Well, Craig felt like because his dad was his dad, he could just basically do what he wanted to do, which I guess is kind of good. But anyway, uh, you know, it was one of those situations. So he waved us off and it left us in a bad situation. That's why I say now, uh, you know, you, you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We weren't ready, clearly, and didn't have any idea who that dude was. It was a terrible experience, but that interview was not heard. Every time, I'll tell you this, every time our producer back in Central Texas used to want to mess with us, he, and I'd start getting a bad time, like I started talking trash about him on the air. He said, "Oh, okay, Q. Well, that's all right. I'm gonna run that uh, that Mike Golick Jr. interview next. Like coming up next is that Mike Golick Jr. interview." And I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> oh no, it ain't." He does his po- his Gojo podcast on DraftKings with uh, I think it's a former teammate named Brandon. Could it have been Brandon? I don't know. I don't know why you don't understand. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, man, this is man just sat down. I don't down. know, and he wasn't on DraftKings then. He was part yeah. of ESPN at the time. You know, I, I don't, again, think about it. It was the Super Bowl in Houston. It was 28-3. Remember the, the Falcons, come? they were up uh-huh. 28-3 and they end up losing? That's how long ago it was. So I don't know. So would you, I, re- I really got to get my hands on this because what y'all talk about, man? Just how's the weather? <laughs> Good to be here. <laughs> Ty, you want to talk about trying to BS your way through an interview. And, and we've all been there, done that. Something pops up at the last second. You don't realize that it's coming. That was awful. That was one of my be- uh, worst pieces of work ever. I promise you, I have no problem saying it. And so anytime that, you know, Mike Golick Jr. is brought up or whatever like that, I always, uh, I always think about that interview and how bad it was and how well nobody got to hear it. 2.53 is the time. We do want to hear from you. We do appreciate you at 69187, keyword r Jimmy G stays healthy. How good do you think this Raiders offense could be? And if there's a free agent or two out there you think the Raiders should make a move on, who would it be? Let us know about us. Raider Nation Radio, 920.